to day 282 of season two shaped by the word the drama of scripture uh, i'm paul camp here with uh, matt kresge and cindy camp and david keith and uh, we simply in these podcasts invite you into an everyday com- you know gospel conversations you know around the word of god uh reading the word of god but not simply you know just reading the word of god and hearing a story or putting together a, you know a few theological facts or even highlighting some verses you know that really stand out as but but reading scripture in the light of uh, who jesus is and how he is the fulfillment of scripture and knowing you know that uh as we stand back and we we look at the whole of scripture all of scripture you know is is the gospel you know, that God created us for fellowship with Him, but we asserted our own autonomy and pushed Him out of our lives. And yet God pursued us to restore us and redeem us you know, from the brokenness of our fall and the curse uh, of the people who had walked away from Him. And of course, that redemption is finding its fullness in, in the person of Christ. And so we've noticed, you know, in the readings this week, you know, the phrase, something greater is here. And we meet that again. And uh, uh, as we continue in chapter 12 and then go into chapter 13 today, so as we always do, we, we pause and uh, we realize that we, that we come to Scripture to uh, know God, to meet with God. I have that beautiful little reference, you know, in the Old Testament about Moses going to the tent of meeting, talking, you know, God face to face as a man talks to his his, his friends. Uh, we we come closest to that encounter every time we withdraw and every time we look into the word that we hear from god and know that he he is our friend that he has our 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 best interest at heart and through his scripture he is ministering deeply to us so before we read matt why don't you lift us up yeah let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you that you've spoken to us and father you've invited us to draw near to you and to fellowship with you i thank you for this time together and and Father, we, we ask as we, um, as we read your word together that you would um, encourage our hearts, that Father, you would instruct us and, and bring us into um, a deeper fellowship with you, a deeper awareness of, of your grace and of our sin. Um, Father, thank you, for, um, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the good news um, of the gospel that we have been set free, that our sin has been atoned for, and that we have life in you. Uh, Father, would... Um, Would this time be glorifying to you? Would it be encouraging to us? Uh, Father, would you meet with us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Matthew 12, 38. And some of the Pharisees and teachers of law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none would be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Queen of South will rise at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and something greater than Solomon is here. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds a house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it'll be with this wicked generation. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside 
wanting to speak to. He replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they have closed their eyes. hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. Seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last for only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And what a wonderful picture of the fruitfulness of the gospel. It, it seems almost overwhelming uh, that, you know, 30 times, 60, 100 times what was sown, you know, can be produced in us. And, of course, one of the things that this, you know, passage uh, ought to create in us is a longingness for the fruitfulness, you know, of the gospel. You know, not the minimum of, you know, which person is saved and how little involvement, you know, can I do, you know, in order, you know, to be saved. But what is the potential of the gospel if it were to really take root in my life and to really, you know, bear fruit in my life? And, and that, that's, that should be our longing. And, and, of course, we say that, you know, a lot around here that, you know, what God desires for us and intends for us is what we would desire and intend for ourselves if only we were smart enough to know, you know, what we really what we really wanted. So this is one of the critical parables, you know, that we find in in, in, all, in the Gospels, you know, explaining uh, who God is and, and what God desires from us. John said it this way, that we would bear much fruit showing ourselves to be his disciples. No, but we do find, I know I find myself in, in that struggle at times, especially with that one aspect of the seed being sown and, and the 
you know, the wealth of the world, you know, chokes it out, making them fruitful. There is like always that kind of internal tension of, well, how much of the world can I still kind of hold on to? Cause I, I want it while also, yeah, trying to be faithful for the kingdom and, you know, and Jesus, you know, he even spoke about it, you know, in, in yesterday's reading, you know, whoever is not with me, you know, is against me. There's not like a, a neutrality to Jesus. There's a, and, and because of the beauty of who he is, which invites us in to lay down all those things and to not be worried about the deceitfulness of, of this world and to be all in for him. Yeah. And that's obviously always a tension in my own heart. Uh, but that is, you know, that is the familiar, you know, that's a familiar portrait of ourselves that we see in this, of course, in Jesus' generation, you know, the church was facing, you know, persecution. So those would be those, you know, that uh, would joyfully follow as long as things, you know, didn't get too hard. But they they quickly fall away, and that's a tragic word that you know be used later in the New Testament to talk about people who've left the faith, you know, altogether. And then, you know, more in the generation we live in a you know kind of a prosperous, cushy. You know, generation. Not that we aren't experiencing some persecution. You know, a mean tweet. You know, every now and then, or you know, a few things. You know, a few things like that. Maybe not being invited. Yeah. You know, who knows? You know, what, what form is it? But really, it's just materialism and worldliness. You know, that that, that consume us. Where we kind of want to live in both worlds. We 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 want you know the best of Jesus and the fruit of the gospel, but. You know, we want the best of this world and the thing that's has offered too. And of course that's what you know Jesus was talking about back in the Sermon on the Mount. You can't you can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. You you'll love the one and be devoted to the other. And and more times than not, we're we're uh with our lips we, we proclaim devotion to the gospel, but our lives betray a devotion, you know, to the things of this world. Mm-hmm. Well what a precious gift we have in God's word. You know, that's one of the things that I love in this chapter, really the section that we're in is, I mean, it talks about the value of God's word, hearing God's word, responding to it, the fruitfulness that God's word brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he even gets to the end and he says, there's going to be some who won't hear and it will fulfill what the prophet Isaiah says. But he said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we sit, you know, in kind of our, our moment having more resources than ever, more copies of the Bible, more translation. I mean, so mm-hmm. much available to us. And, and blessed are our ears, you know, but but do we hear, you know, and and just that gift. I mean, there's been so many people that have longed to hear and to see, and here we are, we we hear, we see, you know, and, and the, the thing, the call for us is is how will we respond to that? Will, you know, will we hear the word? And, and and do and receive and what produce fruitfulness mm-hmm. and we have you know become you know but, uh, like the generation before an unhearing unseeing mm-hmm. you know generation uh, because uh, you know the riches of the gospel and the privilege we have uh, you know of, of, of seeing things that uh, other generations were not able to see experiencing things other generations were not able to experience you know the, the richness we have we we come to a place where we just kind of yawn and pass it off. And then one of the most boring things we can do is just, you know, read a few verses and, well, I'm glad I got that out of the way. Now let's, you know, get into the real issues of life uh, that we don't, you know, is, yeah, to use our mm-hmm. words from our famous friend, John Piper, see and savor, mm-hmm. you know, who God is, you know, through his word. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, it's not, you know, us, you know, saying, okay, I'm just going to try to appreciate God's word more. It's It's really... You know, an act of repentance on our part, where we say, "Father, you know, how can I, how can I see such 
beauty in your word and not be moved by it. Uh, take this heart of mine and, and turn my affections you know, towards you so that I can see your beauty and gaze at your fullness through your word and you do your work in and through me. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you are present in it, that you have breathed it out, and by your spirit, uh, you take from your riches and you make them our riches. And Father, we we do confess we have uh, we have been bored with the most magnificent, awe-inspiring, you know, consuming gift, and that's the gift of your fullness and your redemption and your reconciliation in Christ. So open our eyes that we might see and our ears that we might hear. And Father, cause us uh, to fall in love with you anew through your word and for your word to do its work in our lives so that we we would bear 160, 30 times uh, the riches of what's sown in our life. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.